crossover. We're looking at Matthew 14, 22 through 33. But before we get into that text this morning, let me uh, just talk to you a bit. Um, it it all kind of came out in our uh, in our uh, in our discussion this morning. We we realized that this has been this is a moment of transition, uh, for better or worse. And this week has been for all of us a particularly encouraging week because we crossed over. Uh, God parted the Red Sea and we walked over on dry land, um, and we got out of uh, a maniacal evil, uh, diabolical, anti-democratic, authoritarian, fascist uh, presidency and uh, uh, an administration that threatened to overturn really our, our system of governance as we know it. And, I, and, and in saying that, I think any of you that, if you're, if you have, if you're a thinker at all, you would, you would realize I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm speaking quite factual. This, this is, uh, please, all, all of you, please mute yourself because uh, I'm talking now. Thank you. Mute yourself. Uh, you know, it, we've, uh, we, 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 that was a major thing. We, uh, we, we were waiting uh, at the election and then we went through uh, the certification, which was drama with that. And then finally the day came, that great get in the morning on the, uh, the 20th when we, uh, sat there by our TV sets and uh, first, you know, like I told you guys on Wednesday, I woke up early and put one AirPod in my ear and brought up NBC, MSNBC on my phone, on my satellite radio app because I just wanted to hear when the dude left the White House. I wanted to hear that and I was like, okay, that's good. And then I wanted to hear, I had to hear that lame speech with all the, the another, you know, 500 lies before he got on Air Force One but I wanted to hear when Air Force One left, you know, Andrews, you know, Air Force Base, whatever it's called now, and and that's okay. That was that was we done crossed over that. And then when 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 you know the vice president and the president were able to stand up there and and take their oaths, and actually when noon came, I breathed a great sigh of relief and a, and a load was lifted off my shoulder. And again, I'm not saying this to be po- politically partisan. Uh, I would feel that way if he had been a Democrat because he was that evil and that and that destructive to our country. Uh, so I was grateful. And that so for me that marked and for us, we, we were all so we were all so giddy on Wednesday night and so ecstatic, weren't we, church? You guys were so happy and we were all smiling like Chester Cats, you know, and all that stuff. You know, but then we realized, you know, we've got some other rivers to cross and some other valleys to traverse. Uh but life is about crossover. It's about crossing from one season, one thing to the next. And so this morning, uh, I want to try, we want to take this account of Jesus and his disciples, uh, his disciples on the boat and him walking on water and some of the implications of that text. And we want to take that and apply that to kind of where we are and where we are, will be in the days and months and weeks going forward. So the text this morning from Matthew fourteen twenty. 2 through 33, immediately Jesus made, uh, excuse me, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land 
buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. If we are to be wise, if we are to navigate life successfully, we must come to realize that life is con uh, life consists of transition, transitions and change. They're a huge part of all of our lives, right? And change is the one thing that is constant in our lives that we must face throughout every season of our lives. In fact, it could be said that life itself is simply a series of constant changes. And the fact, the one thing that doesn't change is, is, is the fact that everything around us is in a constant state of transition. Adapting to these changes, navigating life's transitions, it can be difficult, it can be stressful, it can be challenging. The Bible is filled with instances of folks transitioning from one phase of their lives to another. So despite our aversion to change, God will often initiate change to move us as his people from one season, from, 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 from one phase into a new phase or a new position in order for us to experience his destiny for our lives. And there are times when we know in advance what a, tr a transition will require of us. For instance, Abraham understood very clearly when God called him to leave his country that he would be facing a challenge of relocating to a place that he didn't know. But sometimes we're unaware of the transition or, or what awaits us on the other side. And, and, and undoubtedly, many of us are in the midst of various changes, transitions, and various crossover seasons in our lives right now. As I listen to your prayer requests, as I listen to the needs and concerns of our families and friends and those around us, as I, as I listen to, to all of the things that are going on in the world around me, I realize that, that transition and change is huge right now. <laughs> COVID. 19, it was barely, it was about a year ago when this thing emerged. And uh, I'll never forget the first few months of, of 2020. I remember, and I've said this often, I just remember having this bomb New Year's week in, 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 uh, in uh, Rosarito Beach in Mexico, just chilling and having a wonderful time, me and Charlene, and looking forward to a new year. And I remember going back to work and I started planning our summer vacation. I was going back to Maui last year, dude. I was, we, you know, I was, I was going to pay everything up front and I was going to go a little, little bit higher end than I normally go because I want to be right on Carnapali this time. And I was going all the way, you know, and I was so jazzed. I've been sitting in my little spare time at work. I'd be on here, you know, looking at the stuff and the prices. And, and it was just going to be a wonderful year, right? And, 
and some other good things had happened and around me, you know, and I was, things were going well. And uh, then all of a sudden, in the words of the fire, something happened along the way, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and this COVID thing struck. And it's changed everything. It was a, it was a sudden and a, and a stark and a, and a, and a, and a, and a bracing, I mean, a terrible transition. Work stopped, bam, like that. One, I remember, you know, we were in, my wife and I are in education, and I remember uh, hearing, you start hearing rumors from administration, and you hear things on the news, and I said, you know, I think we might be going home on Friday. And we thought maybe for a week, maybe two, and we were out for the rest of the year. School I worked for closed anyway. That made things even crazier, right? But, uh, you know, COVID changed it changed the health situation. I, I look at older TV shows now and I see people up in each other's face. And I'm saying, where's your mask? And I realize, oh, that was like five, 10 years, 20 years ago. You know, you just, I'm used to that now. Everything has changed. We, you know, get you a good supply of, of masks because you might be wearing them for a long time. Uh, work has changed. Some of you are working, many of you are working from home and now you're having to deal with caring for your children and and uh, caring for your cat and your dog, and you're having to work with sitting there at that one computer screen in that room in your house for hours on end, and uh, and uh, and you know, for a lot of you, uh, you when this is over, you may not be going back to the office because some of your companies are saying, "Hey, uh, this is cheap. We can't. We don't have to pay all that rent for the, that office space." Education is changing. Our children have lost a, literally a, a whole year of education and. It doesn't appear when they will get back to schooling and education as normal, uh, which is going to affect their their high school years. They're going into college. I mean, there's it's, it's like a chain of events. Everything has changed, and then the political transitions. We were plagued by a, a terribly corrupt, evil administration that had so much of our nation in an uproar and who failed to address the needs of this pandemic, causing probably hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths. And now we've had the good change of that being over, but there's still changes and transitions left before us because this life is not that simple. Uh, changes to the American political landscape and then changes to the church. My friends, I don't know what church will look like on the other side of this. We hope it goes back to something like we're used to, but we have no guarantee that that's the case. And I believe that this is going to cause kind of a shaking and, and a, a sifting in the American church, because as far as I'm concerned, in the so-called evangelical churches in, in America, there are a lot of people that are, were in it for the good times, but we'll see when things are over how it shapes up, because a lot of folks are in it for the entertainment and other things. Church as we know it, when will it return? How, how will it return? You know, so change, man. It's a transition. And amidst all of these changes, oftentimes we can find ourselves confused, angry, agitated, or literally scared out of our wits. But I believe there's a word in this for somebody today. I want to point you to a moment in the lives of the disciples where they're told to cross over to the other side, okay? And and in their boat, and, and as you'll observe, they really don't have a clue as to what they're about to experience. Uh, 
So it's kind of a crossing over into the unknown. Matthew 14, 22. We read this a few minutes ago. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, let me point out, the first thing I'd like to point out is this, okay? First of all, understand this. There will be crossover times in our lives. A crossover presents the opportunity to move from where you are to the place that God has for you, uh, from where you are at the present to where you are to be next. And a crossover is not necessarily about physical location. It represents a state, a status, a situation, a relationship, or a mindset. Now, in the Old Testament, there were, there were like two really significant crossover moments in, for God's people, Israel. There, there's that which took place under the Moses generation, where they're, they're called to cross over uh, the Red Sea. And you remember that story in part of the Exodus. But then you go a little bit f- further along, and then there's the Joshua generation, and they're called to cross over the Jordan River. And, and the thing about it is, for us, there are various crossovers as well. Let me give you a few examples of some of the crossover seasons in our lives. And For instance, marriage can, can be a crossover season that, because it, it requires both the, the husband and the wife to leave some things behind in order to embrace the things ahead, right? It could be job change. Some of you know what that's like, and some of you may be in the midst of that right now, or maybe anticipating that and hoping and praying for that. Uh, there can be, you know, a total career change where you not only change your job, you change what you do. Or there could be, and this is the case for several of you on here today, there could be the crossover of retirement. Some of you have done that, some of you are looking forward to do it, but it's a change in life, and it, and, and it, it tends to change a lot of things in your life. Now, let me talk about a few options as to how we deal with these crossovers. Number one, here's the first option. You can, you can think about crossing over when you need to and never do it. You know, maybe you should go back to school and finish your degree so you can, you can cross over into the career that you, that you really dreamed of. Uh, but maybe out of the fear of failure, you don't do it. Or, and fear is often, someone said, the single thing that keeps a person from seeing their dreams fulfilled. And, and then maybe there are those that you need to go with you who refuse to go with you in certain certain endeavors, certain journeys. And so you keep waiting for someone to build a bridge for you and help you, and that ain't going to happen. And so then the result of that is resentment because you never did what you need to do. You need to step. Some of you right now need to be thinking about the next phase in your life. You need to be thinking about post-COVID. You need to think COVID. You need to be thinking about what career adjustments and what 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 paradigm shifts need to take place. And if you fail to do that, you you find yourself filled with resentment. The second option is this, you, you attempt, you'll attempt something that maybe is the right thing at the wrong time in the wrong way and you'll fail at it because maybe you weren't ready. It wasn't the right time. Maybe the people that were going with you weren't ready and maybe God wasn't ready because it wasn't his time for you then. And then the result of that is disillusionment. Many of you know about that. You tried and you failed because it wasn't the right time or maybe it wasn't the right thing and you get disillusioned and you kind of want to give up and quit. And then the third option is when you cross over at the right time, in the right way, and you succeed because you were ready, because those around you were ready, and because the boat was ready, and because Jesus was ready, because it was his time for you. So then that results in rejoicing, and, 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 and it results in a deeper sense of revelation. 
So crossover seasons are inevitable. And so to move at the right time in the right way is what it's all about. But again, uh, there will be crossover times in our lives. And then the second point is this. There will, there will be contrary winds during your crossover times, okay? Contrary winds. Matthew 14, 24, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Some of you know what it's like to feel those headwinds of opposition against you when you're trying to do the right thing, when you're trying to make that transition, when you're trying to f- deal with change. And... uh uh, in the King James, it says, for the wind was contrary. And Mark 6, 48 gives a similar uh, aspect here. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. You know what it's like to strain at the oars. Some of you know it. You get that metaphor. You're, 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 you're really rowing hard. You're trying hard. But the wind, there, there are headwinds. There are forces. There are things that are that are that are, that are that are resisting you, but you've got to remember this: that in the middle of what God has called you to do, there will always be opposition. You say, "Well, why is that, Charles?" I say, "Well, number one, the devil doesn't want you to cross over. The devil doesn't want you to successfully navigate the winds of change that you're dealing with right now. The devil would like to, but the devil would like to use all the enemy would like to use all of these things around." All these things. See, as God's people, we 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 have we have supernatural ability to to, to triumph and, and to, to live victoriously and to and and to, to cross over each of these each of these situations. But the devil wants to block you and keep you stuck where you are. The devil wants to rob you of your victory, to rob you of your to, to take that praise out of your mouth. So 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 get whenever we're talking about success in, in your Christian life. You are, you've got an enemy from the gate and you've got to deal with it. The devil doesn't want you to cross over. The second thing is this. Someone put it like this. Smooth sailing makes for good sleeping. But God allows some, you know that word buffeted? God allows some buffeting in our lives to keep us awake. Keep us on our toes. You know, we, we, if, we, if we never faced any resistance, if we never faced any opposition, if we never faced any challenges, we probably would not be as strong in God as we, as we could be. And so the Lord will allow some opposition in our lives to, to allow us to test and to build our faith. So I'm going to put it like this. The strain can make you stronger. James puts it like this. The trying of your faith produces perseverance. Mean can make you stronger. I love that. And so, 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 I'm glad you like that, Octavia. <laughs> so, what do I do? You do two things: you keep rowing like the disciples did, and you keep watching. Look at verse 25 from the King James. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So here we are, shortly before dawn. The fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. By the time some of you are waking up at that time now, most of us like to be sleeping during that time, and it's it, it's it, it's it's the the deepest darkest part of the night. And so, shortly before dawn, Jesus goes out and he's walking on the lake. Okay, he's walking on the water, and and someone observed this that oftentimes God's help comes in the fourth watch. Yeah, y'all don't hear me this morning. Oftentimes God's help comes 
in the fourth watch. It's often the darkest, it's often darkest before the dawn. And he, when I was growing up in church, I heard a preacher say, he may not come when you want him to, but he's always on time. Amen, somebody. And uh, so oftentimes, and we say, Lord, where are you, when are you going to show up? He says, I'm going to show up. He said, nighttime is the right time, and I'm going to show up at the right time, but but I'm ne- I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'll never be late, but I, I will, in the fourth watch of the night, when it's darkest and in the deepest part of the night, I will show up. And so, you know, uh, so again, to, 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 to wrap this, this point up, opposition will come in the midst of our crossovers, but we've got to keep on rolling and realize that he will show up. Now, the other thing is this, <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about this, but you know, God sometimes moves in ways that frighten us. Sometimes God is so good and his miracles are so profound that they're almost scary. Sometimes the divine hookup, when, 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 uh, when, uh, some, when, when God speaks up to you and somebody comes to you and, it, and they, it's like they, they, they're reading your mind because the Holy Spirit has been spoke, speaking to the two of you in like manner. Sometimes it's, it's almost frightening because God is like that, okay? And, they, and, and, and so he says in verse 25, he says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. You would say, wow, if it was you, because, you know, you, you, you've you seen a lot of good movies, you'd say, wow, there, that's Jesus. He's walking on the water. That's Bob. Look at that. that man, that's dope. Jesus is walking on the water, y'all. Man, what they said. They saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Ah, well, I don't know how you cry out in fear. Whatever it is, they did it. Now, why does God move in ways that sometimes frighten us? Well, first of all, there's this thing called the fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking of abject uh, fear in the sense of I'm scared of the Lord. But it is, it is, it is the understanding the awesomeness and the, 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 the mystery and the power and the the, the, the unfathomable uh, depths of who he is. And, and uh, it's like uh, sometimes a child will have a certain kind of awe of the parent to where they're not afraid. They'll run into their parents' arms for a hug anytime, but they would, they would dare not disrespect because they, they're, they're that parent because they, they, they understand the, the authority and the power of that person. And so the fear of the Lord helps. Let me tell you what it does. It helps you under, overcome the fear of everything else. When you realize who you're dealing with, when you're dealing with God, sometimes we, we've, we've tried to, to, to make God so colloquial and so, so pedestrian and so accessible that we lose that sense of mystery and that sense of, of awe of who he is. But the fear of the Lord is what helps us to overcome the, the fear of everything else. When we realize who it is we're dealing with, we ultimately come to realize that he is an awesome and a mighty and a great God. And he moves, he does move in mysterious ways. And so therefore, he does what he's going to do and he does it in his way. And we have nothing to fear because he's God all by himself. God moves in ways that frighten us sometimes to, to, to put our egos in check, to remind us who we're dealing with. I mean, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come to us just like, like we would come to us, you know. But he, he does things in, in, in his own godlike way. And that checks our egos to realize that, okay, God, I figured this out today. You're God and I'm not. I'm your child. I'm created in your, in your, in your image and likeness, but I'm not God. You are. And your ways are not my ways and my ways are not your ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts and my, you know, and you're way above and beyond me. Because if God was like me, I don't think I could, I could love him, revere him or serve him. If I knew that God was just, 
He's just like a regular guy like Charles. Well, I mean, I'm all right, you know. I kind of like me, but it's like, I mean, if, God, if 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 I could figure God out, He wouldn't be a God worth worshiping. And 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 God moves in ways that frighten us to remind us that we do not and we will never fully understand everything about how He works. But then sometimes God works in, 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 in ways that frighten us, that, that we might consider mysterious and sometimes scary, because he does it to expose the fact that sometimes it'll show us that we don't know him as well as we think we do. I'll say this in all, in all humility and in all gentleness, because I, you guys know me. I'm not one of them preachers that likes to rail on folks and, make, and invoke guilt. But you know what? Really, we, I think we all could... could, could, could uh, Strive to know our Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, our triune God, to know Him better. I think we could all spend a little bit more time in His Word, be a little bit more reflective and contemplative with regard to the things of God, spend a little more time quieting ourselves in prayer, and maybe learn things like centering prayer and other things and practice some spiritual disciplines, do some fasting and some days of solitude and silence and do some things to get still before to, to, to begin to allow our, our spirits to be formed by, by the Holy Spirit. Because we, we probably none of us know God quite as much as, as well as we think we do. And that's not to be intimidating. It's just the truth because he is, he is so far above us. But we, so this is this grand journey that we're all on. It is, it's like if, if, if you're bored and you run out of stuff to do, you'll spend, you could spend the rest of your life as a Christian learning more about the Lord, deepening in a relationship with him. I've been married a lot of years. I hate to say it because I can't convince you that I'm only 45 years old. Because how could you be 45 years old and been married 45 years? Uh, but this, the wonderful thing about this journey is that for all these years, it's like this never-ending quest to, to grow in intimacy and the knowledge and understanding of each other. And because we're both complicated human beings, there's a mystique and mystery, and we, we, we're always learning and always growing deeper. If that's the case with a human being, with a wife and a husband, what do you think it is with, with your Heavenly Father, who is so multifaceted and so wonderful and so awesome? Just saying. So then, you know, here, here's the deal. And now this is where, let's, 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 connect this with, let's connect this with mission. Okay. Let's connect this with our, our, our mission in life. Because just because of COVID, just because of, of, of the ill political winds that have blown through our nation, just because of, of, of QAnon and, and the foolishness that's all around us and the, 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 the national craziness that we're, 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 we marvel at. Uh, just because of all the things that are on doesn't mean that we as a church have lost our voice and, and that you as a Christian do not have a, a, a something to do in this world and something to be in order to further the gospel, in order to continue to, to accomplish and to, to further the great commission that Jesus left us with. So th- there are opportunities to get in on what God is doing if we have the faith. Do you believe that God is doing something even with COVID? Yes, he is. He never stops working. So verse 27 says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. 
What the Christian life is really all about is joining God in his work in the world. When I first started pastoring, which was 20, almost 30 years ago, a book I think was called Knowing God by Henry Blackaby was really popular in uh, Christian circles. And, and the, the, the model that they presented was, was this, the fact that God is always at work. And that, so the issue for us as Christians is not to like drum up something, I'm going to stir up something, I'm going to get something, I'm going to do a work for God. No, God does the work, and God is always working around you. And so the thing we do is we pray and ask God to show us where he's working, and then, and then I'll ask him to enable us to join him in his work. In other words, that you're, there's a neighbor of yours that God is already leading towards, they're, they're already being driven by a spiritual curiosity. You, you won't initiate that. The Holy Spirit has initiated that. But if you pray and ask God, he'll, he'll lead you to that person's orbit and give you uh, the opportunity to speak into that, their life. There, there, there's stuff that God has already initiated, already, that's, already, that's already coming to fruition. And we as God's people, the Holy Spirit will join us with that. Like, like, like God joined Philip to that Ethiopian in the chariot. You know, he'll join you to that, to that thing. And so, and so that's what it's about. And so church, God is working even amidst COVID, even, even with all of the, the, the economic downturns that are going on, with all of the craziness, God is still at work in the world. Look at how he's working among us. I mean, come on guys, 44 weeks and God has been good to us and God has built us and taught us and grown us and encouraged us and deepened us in our relationship with him and our fellowship with one another. And so we, what we want to, 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 you know, we're the body of Christ. We're energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to do God's work in the world. And it's not our thing. It's his thing. And he calls us to step out in faith, to, to step out of the boat to walk on water, if you will, to do sometimes seemingly impossible things for his kingdom and for his glory. Listen, COVID-19 has neither brought an end to the church of Jesus Christ or an end to God's work. And so God is at work all the time, and we yet have the opportunity, we still have the opportunity to participate in what he's doing in So why walk on water? Here, I want you to get this. This might be the most important statement of, 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 uh, of this message. Listen very carefully. I didn't put it on the screen, but listen to me. We must get to the place where our desire to walk with Jesus is greater than our desire to experience the comfort of the boat. I'll say it one more time. We must get to the place where our desire to walk with Jesus is greater than our desire to experience the comfort of the boat. Think about that for a minute. You know a whole lot of Christians are Sunday morning Christians. A whole lot of believers love to go, and, and that's I'm telling you, that's the great shaking that's coming because a whole lot of Christians. Church for a lot of folks in this country is basically a nice soft rock concert. You go and you sit, you don't even sing because you can't sing the songs because you don't know the songs and the songs are too musically complex now. You know, and, the, and, the, and the four guitar, electric guitars are too loud. And so they breath the word and you just sit there and sway your hands and, the, and, the, and, and you got to have the, you know, the, the, the quarter million dollar light system and they got to have the fog machines and, you know, and all that. And so it's this, you know, and you go and you see the show, you listen to the guy talk and you, and you go home. 
That ain't church. That ain't church. I don't know what it is. Now, I'm not saying that those people are part of the church because they're believers in Jesus Christ, but that ain't. See, for a lot of it, to step out the boat means, see, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how in, in, in the, the, this broad swath of, of white American evangelicalism, they, there's, there, there's a, a, an unwillingness or a neglect to, to speak to matters of justice or to step out of that comfort zone to really advocate for the poor. If the evangelical church in the, in the United States was worth its salt, there would be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at the border protesting those children in cages. Where are they? They're in the boat. They're trying to sleep, but the boat is rocking because society all around them is crumbling and deteriorating. But I digress. Don't get me started right. Listen. We must get to the place where our desire to walk with Jesus is greater than our desire to experience the comfort of the bonus. So sometimes, sometimes God's going to lead us to speak to somebody, to step out of our comfort zone and say something that, that might, might, might cause us to be misunderstood. Sometimes our, 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 God's going to call us to, to serve in a way that we're not used to do. See, here's the deal. Let me, let me break this down. So let me say it again. We must get to the place where our desire to walk with Jesus is greater than our desire to experience the comfort of the book. The boat. In other words, where our desire to serve is greater than our desire to sit. Where our desire to do his will is greater than our desire to do our own will. Where our desire to glorify him is greater than our desire to gratify ourselves. And so the Lord often allows us to experience impossible situations so that we'll come to terms with those greater desires. In the words of, uh, I think, Joe Biden used this language, and our better angels, we're not angels, but, you know, the the deeper desires, the more noble desires, the desires to do things that would please God and honor him and bless the world around us. And so the Lord will allow you to experience impossible situations so you come to terms with those greater desires. I mean, what better picture is there of stepping out in faith than Jesus' call to Peter to, to, to step out of the boat and to walk, to join him? On the water. Some of us feel the anxiety of stepping out. We be looking for our paddleboard, some water skis, kayak. Give me something. Listen, family. The world all around us is changing at a breakneck speed. And we will be called to follow Jesus across all of these various changes where he is leading. That means following him into uncharted waters and stepping out in faith in ways that are beyond our natural understanding and may seem beyond our innate abilities. But in this crossover season in which we find ourselves, we, as we step out of the boat, we can stand tall, you and me, as children of God. We can walk in victory as we keep our eyes not on the wind and the waves. We don't look at the circumstance and the situation. Yes, we're aware of them. Yes, we experience them. We're human. We're real people. But that's not what we focus on. Not the circumstances, but we focus on the master. And let me tell you something. Read your church history and understand this, that he has led his church, Jesus has, through every kind of societal upheaval and turmoil. Kingdoms and empires over the last 2,000, 2,100 years have risen and fallen, but God's church has prevailed, and it will yet prevail. We will overcome this societal 
division. We will overcome the discord and confusion of our present situation. God will bring renewal to his remnant church, and we will continue to find our place of prophetic witness in the world as the people of God. Life moving forward in, in many ways will no longer resemble anything that we're used to and that we're accustomed to. And let me just get hardcore from it. Deal with it, okay? But as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will experience victory, purpose, and blessing. We experienced a good crossover this week. That was a good one. Some positive and some good change in our nation. Relief from the lies. 30,753 or something like that. I forget the Washington Post number. It's something in that neighborhood. We've been relieved of the deception, of the manipulation, of the oppression. But even with that good change comes challenges. So let us remain clear-eyed in the words of Scripture, sober and vigilant. Let us remain faithful in prayer, faithful in fellowship. And again, let us do what the writer to Hebrews says. Let us fix our gaze. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, as we cross over these tumultuous waters of life in this season that we find ourselves. And we're going to be, I told you this, in March, and I'm telling this, it's almost next March. We will get through this, and we will get through this. We will come out on the other side better than we went in. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Check.